Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are back for another fantastic episode this week. We get to sit down with Matt Ori, and there's really not one single business to tie this man to. He's kind of like a serial entrepreneur. His hands in a lot of different things, a lot of different entities, but... You know, we're going to start where everything kind of originated for him with his life journey and how he kind of got to where he is today. An absolutely amazing man has learned tons of lessons over the years, whether the hardware, the easy way. It's all just kind of part of being an entrepreneur. So we're going to get to hear about his story. But before we do that, I want to give a big, wonderful shout out and thank you to the amazing folks that bring you this show each and every week. Building 5, Falaya Real Estate, Lakeman's Health Center, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, Mimosa Handcrafted Jewelry, and you know our outfit of the day is always brought to you by McClavey Limited. Now, without further ado, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited to learn about just everything that you've got going on. I mean, there's. I don't think there is one. I mean, your business card has got to be like two or three pages at this point. No, man, I keep it to a minimum. Uh, I, I stay in the shadows these days as best as I can, but... It's funny you say that. I have a lot of people that'll ask me. They said, I just, I don't understand you. I, I can't figure you out. I'm like, well, I can't figure me out either. So, you know, we're off to a run and start on this show, but I'll try and get into a little of, a, of a depth with me to how I got to the position I'm in right now, whatever that may be. Right. I'm still learning. It's changing every day. I'm every sure. day it changes. So for good or bad, I'm just where I am. And I'll, I'll get to that at some point. So for, for those listening, if we can, I mean, who are you exactly, and what the heck do you do? Man, I, I went to Edie White as a kid. I grew up playing baseball, football, basketball, your normal, you know, things that we do. Go to school uh, at Nickel State and kind of knew I wanted to go to law school and ended up with a political science degree somehow. Looking back, I would never, ever have done that again, not because it's it, – just because to me that I knew that's not the direction I was going. I thought politics could be in my career at some point, but outside of that – I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of diversity with the degree. I probably should have gotten a business degree, but there's been a lot of successful people who are going to do different things with that degree. It just wasn't uh, for me. But took me to law school at Loyola, and um, my first job there came out. I worked as an associate with someone and wasn't there very long, not on a bad term, but I just knew that there was, there was more of a business side of this thing than actual a law degree. You so, know what I mean? So, so like – were you like entrepreneurial as a kid? Did no. you have like a grass cutting thing during the summertime? Like, no, my parents instilled work ethic. I mean, my dad is eighty-five to the day, still works four and a half days a week. Wow, he's a doctor and he's he's a beast and he's in really 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 good shape. My mom's a nurse, um, but no, they're not. They're they're quite the opposite. My dad's essentially a W two employee and and that's he knows what he knows and that's what he does. It's very structured, and then somehow I'll come out and I am all over the place like a little tornado running around but they weren't they weren't like that uh, I, don't, I don't know where it came from to be quite honest but i had a, a burning desire to do more and more and more and i still do yeah so um, you have this associate job short-lived on good terms yeah, yeah on good terms i never forget it was a case that i generated and i didn't understand how that worked there you know and, and like you got the, a, you got a client i, I, I actually <laughs> i got a client <laughs> and it happened to be a good claim and at the end of the day and i t looking back and immediately at that point you're still the W-2 employee where right. I'm thinking like, oh, awesome. I'm going to get a cut on this case. I'm like, no, it's not happening. And at that point in time, I totally understand their position. Right. It was never a bickering. It's nothing. It was just internally, that was my trigger going, I got to do my own thing. Yeah. I mean, you notice that 
especially when you're in that that situation, the professional setting, right? Where you bring in clients, if the compensation structure is set up to where, hey Matt, we're paying you this a year. That's correct. We're paying you this a year. And what they it did matter was, what you win lose. We're paying you this a year. That's right. And what they did was absolutely correct. And it was never even mentioned to be quiet. This was all just in my head. I've never expressed ah, this because I knew yeah, they were correct. Yeah. That was just my little trigger to move. But looking back. As a youngster, you never realize the pain and gain that they went through, the capital that they put up to get where they got, the risk that they took. You forget all that when you're a little W two guy. You're like, hey, well, what about me? I brought this case in. Well, I think every every employee, when they take a look at a situation where they're like, I made the business this much money, they tend to only see that upside in that particular case, in that particular situation. As an employee, they say, well, I mean, I made the company so much more money because of this one one situation, but if you flip it around and say, okay, great. So what required us to do this was the lease on the building, the utilities on the, the utilities we got to pay for, your to and from, if you get per diem, and you, they start listing on all these other costs. And I'm like, well, no, 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 no. I don't want to be a part of that. I just want to be a part of the upside of what I'm here. Then it kind of relates back to that's why you're a W-2 employee. Yeah. And look, there's nothing, there is a time and place. Everybody's different. Their mindset's right. different. I respect, you know, the heck of a W-2 employee because I feel like sometimes they get that part of life where they have a great living, and when they go home, the other side of things never kicks in. The yeah. worry never kicks in. You did your job, you get home at 5. I have a lot of respect for that, too, because I don't sleep. You know what I mean? Even when I sleep, I don't sleep. Yeah. And I wake up moody. I wake up tired because there's so much stress, but with that responsibility comes the stress. So it's it's not for everybody to, to attempt to, I don't know if you even call it, do something more, because it doesn't make you any better being an entrepreneur. Right. You're not any better than anybody else. It's just a different job description. That's a different. That's it. It doesn't. You're not more important. You're not more anything. Everybody's valuable, but you just took a different path, and that path happens to be more stressful. It's more stressful. There's a higher risk tolerance that you have to have to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. You, you know, you can't be an entrepreneur and be totally petrified of taking risks no. because you you won't do it for very long. No, you won't. But and you'll get eaten up. But everybody that is a W two employee is critical to the success of an organization, and those people, when they have the opportunity to do so, they reward them for that. That's right. You know? And look, they should. I was looking at one of the one of the questions at the end that, that you tend to pose, and it, it goes back to, I think so many people underappreciate their staff, and I'll say it at the end of the show and I'll say it now, but pigs live and hogs get slaughtered. Yeah. Never, ever, ever forget all the ladies, the men, everybody who's within your staff, and I don't even call it my staff, it's just we work together. The team. The team. Yeah. You better value them and don't be scared to pay them what they're worth. Yeah. Because it 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 all translates to the end of the year. And so many people fall short of that. They get so damn greedy. You know, you're not don't expect the world from someone you're not willing to compensate as they should be compensated. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So you decided that that was not the route for you to be a W two employee. You took a, a leap what was this what was the step so from you'll love this so this is funny you know my first entrepreneurial gig the first failure of many that i've had in my life <laughs> freaking chicken in baton rouge remember that place you'd walk Preach. up it was on gordier and they would say welcome to freaking chicken how may i freaking help you the food was outstanding now okay. at the time the location was it was a it was a gore hole i mean what it, year was this this had to be, it was mid-2000s. Okay. Um, Pre-Katrina, post-Katrina? Pre. Got it. My okay. first gig ever, me and a couple of buddies invested with it. Um, cousin of mine who's an Army Ranger, he started it. 
He was looking for capital. It was my, my first venture anything. We failed, but I learned a lot from it. And for me, my biggest trigger there was location. The concept was great, and the food, honestly, was very good. Anyone would tell you that. At the time, location killed us. It wasn't near what it is now. So were you doing your own thing within a law firm at this yeah, time? Yeah, okay. but this okay. is where I'm branching off, figuring out there is so much more to this world than practicing law. Gotcha. What okay. excites okay. me, yeah, a courtroom was fun for a little while. You know what I mean? But then I'm like, I don't want to live in here like this. This mm -hmm. is not where I want to be every single day doing this. I want to do different things and, and have diversity within my little portfolio. That was the first failure. But from that failure came to me, all right, locations, key, key, key. So that's where it started. And then we practiced for a while. I ended up with a great partner, uh, a law partner of Silla today. We teamed up. We started Ordo McEwen and Ori, which evolved into AMO trial lawyers. Um, originally, it was he, I, and a, our other partner was a neurosurgeon who's also got a law degree. They just got bored being a neurosurgeon, so I would become <laughs> an attorney. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still with David today. Corson has since retired, Dr. McEwen. But uh, David has been just an incredible partner. To me, I mean, he's got, the, he, he's, the guys had more jury trials. He, he, as we speak today, he's he just finished with a jury trial, um, deliberating. I don't even know what happened at this point because it's, I'm, I'm now here. So right. if they do call, I'm <laughs> miss it. But <laughs> he's a dog in a courtroom, and that's his nature. That's what he loves to do. But he's not the marketing guy. He's not the – he's the hitman. Right. And that's how it evolved. Um, and he and I – well, look, I tried a bunch with him too. We have tried a lot of cases together, different fields. David does a lot of injury work. I was doing a lot of criminal work at the time. And then we recently merged with our guys in Metairie. But back to David and I, at some point in time, we, you know, started investing in commercial real estate. And from that point, I said, you know what I need to do? I need to open a title company because I, I had different closings that I just frankly thought were mundane and not impressive. And I didn't feel like people I think had only gratitude. You would say I need to open a title company after going through some stuff. It was my personal <laughs> closings, but the thing was, I felt like after the war room that we were in, trying cases every other month, just jury trial after jury trial was it was tough. It was getting old. It's hard. It's taxing. The stress levels were crazy, and I felt like some people didn't appreciate the work that was coming to them. And I, I mean. It's a whole different deal. When I finished that, the files closed, it's scanning the sky. Everybody's happy. How many investments? Gator Coolers. I provided capital, you know, one of the capital investors in Gator, one of the OG investors, because of a closing table. I met Brian there at the closing table. I believed in him. I didn't care what the hell he was selling. I was sold on him, and I was willing to invest in him. Be that as it may, all of a sudden, title company pops up. Then comes Morgan City. Then comes Alexandria. Then comes Lafayette, which we're going through right now. Uh, so that and that's really enjoyable to me. I love hustling the business. I love the. I like the people at the table. That's fun. I like the networking aspect of everything. Um, but and look, I still have, we, our trial practice is insane. But we merge with um, a firm out of Metairie under AMO trial lawyers, those guys are great. And that's working out well because what ended up happening is we got influx with work. Those three love the courtroom and I still go in the courtroom a lot too, but I can handle more of this, <coughs> excuse me, this side now when this side I'm referring to title and they're on the trial side primarily. So it's allowing me to, to do both, but now put a lot of focus on the other side as well. Yeah. So you, I think that merge is kind of case in point where it is, find the right people and build the team to build a better business. 
not try to do everything yourself, not try to be three people building this massive company, getting as many clients as possible. It's value and teamwork and understanding that to have the right partners in place can help you go to that next level, can help you get out of doing the parts that you don't want to do and opens that door up for AMO title. It does. And it really lets us take that to the next step because those guys have been, that whole merger was a godsend looking back. Because now I'm starting to live a little bit. One of my biggest regrets so far, I mean, just turned 42, is not enjoying the ride. You know, I look back and it's the time's ticking. You're never enjoying either the person that's in front of you that you do care about or you don't even realize it. you're not trying to neglect someone. You're so focused on getting where you need to get. You're forgetting everything in between. You're not you're, you're losing sight of what's really important is sitting right in front of your face. Yeah, I'll have to live with that the rest of my life. And look, I work on that actively taming that right now. But looking back, that merger is the biggest godsend of my life because I was on the borderline of insanity trying to, to do what I do and then getting home at nine at night and hustling and trying cases and the stress level. So, and they're good at what they do. And then, you know, one of them, they bring different personalities. David that I've been with forever is so quiet. David will just, he'll, he's willing to help whenever he can. Preston on the other side is a lot like me. He's probably worse than me. And I don't mean that in a bad, I mean a good way. Yeah. <clears throat> Preston will, you know, if I'm down or if I'm too high, he'll pull me back and he's, he's, he'll step right in and tell you to, you know, this is how it needs to be. And I need, I need a lot of that in my life because I'll run wild. You know, I can get so high or so low. One of my focuses lately has been controlling the highs and controlling the lows. They've all allowed me to do that to where I'm in a good place right now to really get focused on this next few years and lock this sucker down and let's go have some fun. Yeah, and I think that is a part of entrepreneurship that often gets overlooked is the the balance that really isn't a balance. I have no it, balance. It, it, there, there, is, there comes a point in time where you hit that element in your life and you're like, okay, something's got to give. Something has to claw its way back, and I've got to regain ground on this other side. Sure. And, you, I mean, I find myself in that situation where it's like, I've, I'm not spending enough time here and I spend enough time there and something's going to fall to the wayside, you know, and you've got to figure out what it takes in your, on one side or the other to make sure that you can kind of have this leveling out period because if not, it's just something's going to give. Yeah. And then once something drops, then you'll level out, but it's like you lost that, that, that piece of you that's no longer there, you know, and for, for me, for an example is that this show, you know, I've got, I'm expecting my second kid later in October. And so I'm like, I've got to start stacking up recording shows. So, you know, we've got sponsors now. We've got a team now. We've got a producer. Like, we've got people that rely on the show happening every single week. So it can't stop. What can I do so I can have some dedicated time with a newborn and an 18 and a two-year-old at that time so that way my house doesn't burn up in flames, yeah. you know? So doubling up, tripling up, it's like we have to put the work on the front end so that work on the back end, we can kind <clears> of <throat> coast through whatever we need to do. But entrepreneurs oftentimes find themselves applying emails at nine o'clock laying in bed, taking phone calls on a Saturday or a Sunday when they're off, quote unquote, off the clock. There's never an off time when you're an entrepreneur. You always have to be on. You know, that's I, 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 when people reference kind of what you just said, I look at the bar exam. It was the same way. It's the same thing. But why I have to feel compelled to return a call or do this. If it don't, it's going to bother me. Bar exam. Take a day off. Why? Okay, I can go take a day off. The problem with taking a day off is all I'm doing is thinking about what I should be doing. Yeah. So the hell with it. I'm not taking a day off. I'm just going to study for three months relentlessly, get this done, and, and have it over. Same thing with emails. Same thing with calls. 
even when you tell yourself it's Friday, I can't let it go. I'm like, and I may not call him back on Friday because it's the principal. It's Friday night. You called me at six o'clock. And I'm thinking to myself, have you lost your mind? Right. But it still bothers me. And I let it bother me all weekend. That's ridiculous that I do. And I'm not mad at the person. I'm mad at myself for just not calling him back Monday morning <laughs> and, and just forgetting about it. But then again, it, it's kind of like maybe that's what it's in my DNA and made me whatever it is I am today. I don't know. It, it, it's that will to not leave somebody needing something from you. Right. Yeah. And look, it, it, the further you go, you got to learn to start saying no. And I'm, I'm getting good at that to where I'm now. It's getting vicious. Where I, it's, it's like everybody it, it's it, you almost feel at this point that especially in the legal field i think that people think lawyers can just fix anything and it's, it's like man my dad is a general practitioner is not going to do knee surgery right he's not going to conduct your knee surgery for you why are you asking me if i can deal with your lemon law for your car <laughs> like anyway but they don't know any better but yeah. it does I get, get overwhelming i that, get the same calls as cpa oh, <laughs> like, man Jeez, I just want to be left alone for just a minute. That's, and uh, I've already started to give them that. My, my response now is it depends. <laughs> maybe I'll try that. We'll see. Hey, <laughs> quick question. It depends. Don't even ask it. It depends. That's right. So but it's, you know, and as an entrepreneur, we, we almost get to the point where there could be some burnout. But for you, you've kind of just kept on adding different things and just adding on and kind of yeah. have found this inner drive to not stop yeah which one you want to know about <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, let, let's 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 go into the, the amo title part so you had some bad experiences and you decided heck with this i'm gonna open my own title company not bad they weren't bad experiences okay. i just thought things could be done differently and, I, and okay. I honestly felt like that there was maybe some lack of gratitude for every file that came in the door gotcha. Where after you try a bunch of cases and you're in a courtroom you're grateful for any file that comes to the door because it's not that it's not a courtroom you know, that gets it's just taxing on you and physically, mentally, relationship wise. It kills you. If you want to be the best in a courtroom, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know, it, and out of people's lives. And there's a lot of things that you have to say no to. So, you know, that that's just been a little different. Um, and that's how that got started. But here we are with office number four on the title side, two trial firms. And uh, God knows what's next on that. I don't know. So, so you open the first title company and it's in close proximity to your law office? Oh, yeah. It was a commercial center that I developed, and I had two of the suites. Okay, so you developed a commercial center. Mm. So let's back up then. <laughs> yeah, so that so was... I the, just thought you invested in a commercial... I didn't know you developed a whole center. Oh, yeah. So my okay, brother so had... let's talk your commercial side. My brother passed away um, seven years ago, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. This, this last month, it makes seven years. But, you know, I remember before he had passed away, he had lived with me for the last year, and he said, you know, you need you need to build a Jimmy John's. You need, I'm sorry. He said, you need to open a Jimmy John's. I'm thinking, no, I'm, I, that's not what I need to do, but I'll build one and let them rent from me. And he literally died and had to get my mind occupied. I think it was in within three days I had a, a lease signed on a piece of ground. Now, keep in mind, I had no idea what I was doing. So you bought dirt. I'll get to that in a second. And, and by no idea what I'm doing, back up. Really quickly before that, this all got started. Me and two partners had built the walk-ons at Homa. All right, so okay. we're the landlords there. Got it. We're not franchisees there. No, just walk-ons. Prop. Y'all, we're just, y'all own a property. We own a property. Walk-ons. That first cookie cutter you see. I mean, that was it in Homa. We yeah. still to this day have we we bought the land, built a building. You know, and those guys, uh, they're incredible tenants. Such a great business model, but been a blessing there. That was a principle I learned where you know. For me, I was always scared of debt. I want I aggressively, still to this day, pay off any personal debt as quickly as at least I humanly possibly can. I'd rather eat dirt 
than buy something I can't afford. Right. You know, that's just my principle. I'm not judging someone who lives differently. That's just how I like to live. However, what I learned in that deal was it's okay to have other people, the right people, service your debt. And when you get into that and sort of realizing the tax code was was formulated essentially to promote you to buy real estate, everything mm-hmm. starts clicking. And then you start dealing with the side of the banks and the network. And you think there's only one bank, but now realize with that contract, well, the bank doesn't really have the upper hand there. They don't give a dang about me, mm-hmm. but they look at your tenants. You know, they'll, they'll shoo me off like a little fly. <laughs> Get out of here, you little peasant. Yeah, who, who is leasing from That's you right. and what do your lease agreements say? Sure. And, you know, so that that's all very valuable lessons you learn. It's uh, plus uh, prime plus one. Oh, really? No, it won't be today. It's not what it's going to be today. You're not dealing with me. You're dealing with them. That's a big difference. You can do whatever <laughs> you want to me. You could say uh, prime plus 800. And they're like, oh, dang, you got me. Right. But with, in all honesty, when you have the right tenants or the right product, they can't, you know, they're, they're much more willing to negotiate. And you become very friendly with these guys. And they're like everyone in the banking industry is so nice. So that's really hard because I had to learn it's okay to, to break off from one and you're still doing business with them, but you can you can go and shop around and then you develop the next center. So that was development number one is myself and two partners who I'm still with today. They're both awesome. We have an insane amount of trust in each other. I was a, um, There's three of us. One was the lead. He was the majority. My other partner and I were minority in that one. Fast forward to the one when my brother died. I'm the majority. They're the minority there. And I run that show. They run that show. We ask very little questions. We meet up. When we meet up, we talk often. We're now in a small sliders, and we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. that's how that started. But So that one, yeah, I literally had a space left. I had some different experiences. I said, well, hell with it. I'm putting a title company here. And that's how it all started. So, oh, so you the walk-ons is in that shopping center? No, that's in Homa. Okay. So this is center number two. Well, that's not a center. That's that restaurant. Right, right. This one is uh, center in Thibodeau. Got it. That I love the location. I mean, if you'd ask me how to just like, if I had to get you somewhere in Thibodeau in, in the easiest place to get, I'd say the corner of 308 and Highway 1, where this is right there. Got it. And when I'm, you're right next to Rouse's, and these guys, you know, do mega market analysis, they don't blindly go places. So I knew it was the right place to be, again, location. Um, so I, I, Jimmy John's had one. Big Mike's Barbecue was its own little center. So it was, um, it's Big Mike's was five th- or is five thousand square feet. This center was sixty five, and they, they're connected by a, a, a courtyard. You know, so it's two different buildings, but it's all one piece of ground. Um, and Sweet B was available, so that's how that started. And then I, I got really the center down the street. I, I didn't. I'm very big on you know one thing I liked about commercial real estate is I can control that. I can go cut the grass. I can edge it. I can vote. I can make sure that I can control what I can control. I can't control the board of directors in a company in China. Yeah. And that's okay. Not that I need to. I'm just saying, at least this I know when I fail, it's on me. Mm-hmm. That's my fault. And, and my brother's name's in that center. So under no circumstance will you see litter there, will you see weeds in the beds. It will not happen. You can go there today. It's not going to happen. Anyone will tell you that. So the center down the street, it was it's one street, the slower drive, and at the corner, um, really nice guy owned it at the time, but I was like, man, it could look better. And mm-hmm. I do not want that facade bringing down the look of this whole street. So I negotiated with him and we knocked that one down and that was 7,600 square feet. So now you've got two centers on the same street. The, both corners. And, um, you know, whip it up. Looks great. I'm big on signage, electrical, you know, anyone to tell you that I want my illuminated, uh, block channelized lettering, et cetera. I'm not going to allow anything else. I'd rather not have a tenant than do that because it matters. I'm big on like lighting. Lighting drives commerce. 
right? My places are all lit up. They stay clean. Litter can or cannot drive commerce. I'm fanatical about litter. I hate it. It bothers me. You know, I think that public leaders, officials can do a much better job and don't quite understand how important that is to keep a clean community. But I fight with that battle every day. But I can, again, I can go pick up litter. Yep. I don't, I'm not waiting for someone to do it. I'm going to stop. Literally, I can be in my suit, going to court. I see litter. I stop. I pick it up, throw it in the garbage can. I, I'm not, I just can't. There's no other way I know. Um, cigarette butts. I mean, I'm always coming to blows with people over. I remember watching a guy pour an ashtray out, and I said, what are you going to do with that? Well, what are you, the owner? I said, what does it matter who I am? Why would you do that in this parking lot? And they picked it up. They would get a broom and the big mics and swept it up. And I was nice about it, but I was pissed. I was really pissed. I I am the owner, but you don't even know that. Yeah, he didn't I didn't <laughs> tell him that, but I said you need to pick that up. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's what that's called a quality human. I don't know what else to tell you, but I'm not gonna. I'd rather fight you than allow that to happen. I'm not gonna. I will lose sleep knowing I'll let that you get away with that. And it is one of the quickest deterrents of any parking lot, any facility. You drive up and you see litter. If you haven't already been there. You're very hesitant to get out of the car. Absolutely. And that's an advantage of being a local landlord of these different centers. Yeah. Because, you know, there's other power groups that are everywhere else, other states, Mississippi, Georgia, Atlanta, you name it. Um, they don't know what's going on there daily. They don't know if their lights are out. They have no idea. You know, I'm big on on um, security. I just think that's a major issue that's a good draw to have someone come in. But if you'd see any building I've redone downtown or, or in Thibodeau or any other place they're gonna have one common theme and they will they'll be lit like the fourth of july every one of them whatever gets dark you're like god that's got a lot of lights yeah it does why because it's safer Mm -hmm. and it draws attention to it i don't want the attention i want the building to have the attention because if it has the attention it's going to deter someone they can go to a dark place and rob them they're not coming here yeah you know that's just the principles that that we live by and then it also brings a sense of uniformity too right sure it's a signature, man. Like it's like little artwork that you do, and you move on, and and uh, hopefully people appreciate the grind that it takes to do it. But if they don't, they don't. It's okay too. So I'll make it better. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, you can sleep well at night knowing that what you've had control over is done right. Yeah, and I, I'm not a control freak. I just like to know that I can. I, I like to be accountable for me failing. Yeah, I don't want to rely on somebody else. I want to rely. I want to bet on me. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just like to take it on the chin. And I'm, anyone will tell you that who knows me, I'm not going to make excuses. I fail a lot. To, I mean, I, I, we could talk way more about how much I failed <laughs> than anything I would call remote success. But, you know, it, it's one of the things that drives me too is honestly, when I look in the mirror, you, I never look at that going, man, you're successful. Ever, ever, ever. It's more and more. And it's not a greed thing. It's a satisfaction thing that it, that that could be better. I could be better. My my physique could be better. I could eat cleaner. I could. Doesn't matter how I eat it clean that, that day. I'm gonna find the one thing that I shouldn't have, and I'm like, dang it. And that's what I harp on, and it frustrates me. But I don't know any other way. Yeah, and it's so I kind of live by if I can be one percent better than I was yesterday, and you just keep enacting that each each and every day, just one percent better, one yeah. percent better, not drastically change and become a totally different human. Let's just fix one thing. Let's right. just fix one percent from what I was yesterday to what I am today. Yeah, and that has, at least for me, it's been like okay, I now I can focus on how to get better and not harp on what was bad. Yep, you know. But as entrepreneurs, you define success however you want to define it, and success is a personal term in my mind. Hundred percent. Right? 
when you have people looking at, oh, Matt's so successful. He's got all this money in the world. He's got all this and that. He's got these buildings. He's got whatever, whatever they're going to attribute to success. At the end of the day, it's whatever you define as success. And if you're like, we weren't successful, there was a bag that was in the parking <clears> lot <throat> for three hours and it should have been gone in 15 minutes. Like, that was not successful. That's right. And it's, again, it's people want to put success and attach it to a monetary figure when it's not. It's, Su- it, success is personally defined. If you're like, you know what? I was able to not have to answer a phone call this entire weekend. That was a success. No you know, I'm successful it, because of that. I've never correlated um, big things or fancy things to success. I live in a, like, my house personally is tiny. I, I drove a Tahoe that had 276,000 miles on. I took pride in it. I mean, I, <clears throat> and again, I don't, I'm not judging you live in a gazillion dollar house and yeah. drive it. That's okay. I'm not, I don't look at it that way. Everybody's different. For me personally, mine was just different. Mine yeah. was, was paying off certain debts by a certain threshold age. That mm-hmm. meant something to me. Because, you know, again, it goes to the accountability issue of myself where I'm going, I don't want to be in debt forever. I want to pay it off. And if that means I have to go without some things, I'm okay with that. I don't give a damn what you think about my house. I don't care what you think about my vehicle. Uh, What I do care is that you think I keep up my yard, that I clean my shoes because that doesn't cost any money. I tell people all the time, you can control how you dress. It doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be expensive. But you can wear it, right? Mm -hmm. It cannot be sloppy. You can go polish your shoes. It costs about six cents. There's no excuse for that. You know what I mean? Like that's stuff that you can, and believe me, it matters. I can't expect you to come sign a major contract with me for a car accident case when I don't look the part. I've got to start there. I'm not sure. It's not, it, that's a, that's a building block. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not means it's not like you're, you're a fraud because, Hey, uh, my shirt's tucked in. So you should do X, Y, and Z. It's a bill. It's a foundation. I look at how people take care of themselves to low. Can you properly do something for me or a job? I can, I feel like I can tell a lot about you by things you never know that I'm noticing. And when, when you look at dress and you look at attire, it's really important for that first impression. Of course. It doesn't necessarily speak to who you are as an individual if you dress a certain way. However, it's how you come across within a first impression. That's right. And it, the reality is we attribute how people are from a first impression based on what they're wearing. Sure, and look, it, I, I and, can, and, and how they wear. It, and right? it has nothing to do with the price of it. 100%. It could be four dollars or whatever your friend has a two thousand dollar set. It means nothing to me, but it's how you wear it and and your body language, everything about it. Just it, it's just a telltale sign. But anyway, I'm no fashion guru, so <laughs> well, I just continue to keep make make sure my my shoes are clean. That's hey, it's what what do they say? You can always know somebody by what their shoes look like. God forbid you're on an interview and say, "Can I go see the inside of your car right now?" That is another component. That right? can be tragic for people. And it, I'm like, it costs, big X. <laughs> it costs nothing to keep a clean car. I vacuum my car three or four times a week. Like, like it's not not even vacuum, just clutter. Sure. It, it costs nothing to grab whatever trash is in your cup holders and throw it away when you get home. Not even saying that you have to stop and do something. Like literally, just when you get home or you get to wherever you're going, just grab your trash and throw it in the garbage can. Yeah. Instead of having somebody say, "Oh, great, can I ride with you?" Sure, give me ten minutes. <laughs> hey. Let me go clean all the clutter in my car yeah. and whatnot. And look, not, again, not not judging. I'm just saying that it certain traits tend to to be exposed, whether good or bad. And look, there's a lot of some of the most brilliant people I know are some of the messiest, and I'll say that the messiest. Their trucks are disgusting, but they are brilliant, brilliant people. And it also is a time devotion thing too. Yeah, exactly. And I get all that. You have to factor all that in, but 
to me, like I'm not, I'm not a brainy. I have to control what I can control because I can't, I can't rely on my big, huge brain that I don't have. Right. You know, like that. So I've got the little things to me. They have to, they have to click. They have to fire because I can't get away with it any other way. So others can, but some of the biggest brainiacs I know, and I mean that in a very positive way, are slobs. Super intelligent, super successful. But I, all, I often wonder how much is going on up there that, that that's you're blind to that. It, it really does become a blindness. Yeah. You, you don't even see it. In their desk. I mean, you can't get to them, but they're brilliant. Like a level that I, I can never, I'll never comprehend. You know? yeah. But that's okay. It, I'll, I'll give you my two or three <laughs> decent characteristics and you take my other 40 bad and we'll go from there and see if they work. So when did you know it was time to open the second, third, fourth, fifth location of AMO title? Like how, how did you go about doing <clears throat> that? You know, the first one obviously was easy. You had a space, it was vacant. And you said, I want to do this. Let me put it there. I just felt like it was a different business model that, that, you know, it, it, I don't want to say too much right here about it, but it is a different model. In other words, there's so much you can do without being present mm-hmm. in that industry. So much technology that can be used to really give you an upper hand that others are never willing to change and use. And when they do, it's going to be way too late or right. it is too late. Um, and then the ladies, I mean, and I say that, that there's few men, but majority of the title officers, at least I've seen, it actually has been the women there, but man, they're awesome. Like that's, that's, the value in them is uh, you're only as good as who's behind the scenes, especially in that industry. And I got that minor. We're very blessed to to have them, but you know we treat them very well, and they deserve every penny of it and more. I mean, they, they're incredible. So I'll, sometimes I'll base the decision off the right person there to get it rolling, and um, you got to believe in yourself and your ability to make a wise decision on that hire. And invest with them, offer them something they've never they've never had, and uh, they deserve it. That's all I can say. They're good. <laughs> so, how did you know? Like we we talked about how Rouse's was at that corner, and you knew that they did so much market research, so it was a good location. Mm-hmm. How did you know the locations are going to be right for those? So I do my own market analysis with that, just like I do on different rental properties. On that, I could be looking at other competitions, websites, what type of marketing, talk to different billboard companies, see who's doing what there, who's involved in a community. And, and basically, when I see a big major void, we attack. Got it. And it... Uh, that this just market analysis there is a little bit different, but you can tell a lot by what's not being done. Mm-hmm. And then you start associating with different people in the business and you find out who's really good at it. And, you know, you can, you can generally see why someone's been successful and then you look at everyone else. I mean, look, I can get someone's website and go, that's been 40 years since they've touched that, you know, and off and running we go. And again, I'm very quiet about what I look at there just as a competitive advantage, I could I could really get the specifics that I'm not going to do, especially in, in a, on a public setting. But I, it, to answer your question, it's an absolute market analysis and a void that we're filling and is a very specific void that I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. So in, in addition to the, the buildings you've got, the title company, the law firm, You've got other commercial rental properties, other oh yeah, residential. We, rental, I mean, how many you know, rental properties I'll, are you at to this point? Oh gosh, I, are you talking units or prop? I don't know. I mean, we've got the. We'll the, talk sites. Sites. So there's Rox's Bar. Okay. You know, not only the 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 business side of Rox's, but the the actual. So what's, what's Rox's Bar? 
Rocks is is the cornerstone of Thibodeau, and I'll be honest with you. If anybody okay. has been to college there, that they know one thing, and it's Rocks's bar. So to me, it was it was just an issue of name recognition there. It's been important to the town. Uh, quite frankly, it's a great way to brand your business through it because it's a very regional location, meaning these people generally don't leave. It's probably a 65 70% retention of people who go through those doors at, at a young age kind of end up in the community. So I'm subliminally branding AMO throughout. You know what I mean? So letting them know one day when you get there that maybe you remember us when you buy a house. Um, and the networking, you know, I don't spend – I spend very little time there, very, very little. But you're watching, you're watching everything. But you don't have to, technology's a little bit different these days. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> you hear the same, oh, they robbed you in the bar business. Well, how the hell do you know? You don't own a bar. Did you, is that a cliche that you heard a while back? Because this is 30 years ago. And yes, it's, it's part of a game. I mean, theft can come in the form of a bartender giving something away. It could be in the form of taking. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more controls in place than people ever imagined. But be that as it may, that's one building. Um, so, do you own the bar as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, with a partner, why'd you buy? Why'd you buy the bar? Why not? <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, I know you like you said it's a staple of Thibodeau. Did it just come for sale, and you're like, I want to keep this thing around, or no? It 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 um it never came for sale. Never got to that. I knew when I got a specific text message exactly what was being pre- got it. What was being asked in that text message, and that the game and the games began at that point. And then I love the location of it. I've been I've flipped buildings in downtown Thibodeau. I've renovated. Uh, we're, on a, we're on a renovation right now, but there's two others that have been uh, flipped, a third that we're about to get started on. Um, so it's honestly to keep track of what's the ownership right now. I don't know. I mean, some we flip, some go to different hands. To me, it's honestly about making it better. It's not always about a profit. It's a project, and I'll, I'm tired of looking at it, so I'll make an offer because I can't look at it anymore. And if I think it's right – great and if you happen to make a little money that's good too some we hold and they have great tenants but one by one we're knocking down downtown Thibodeau and which is incredible by the way that's a that's an audacious a hairy audacious goal a hag as they call it, is, it right but, you know one of the things that I was telling when I looked at Thibodeau and as funny as it sounds it's a growing market <laughs> you would ever thought you'd say that but we have a great unit a great hospital ridiculous hospital we got Nickel State University um, but there was one place where you could get into, when you get into the construction side of things and you're looking at commercial real estate, the square footage to build keeps going up and up and up. So when COVID prices were high, I'm looking at things going, well, why don't we take a different approach to this? If materials are going up, why? Well, let's focus on labor. I want buildings that I can peel back. I want to get to that original brick. I want to take down those ceilings, just like, you know, Recess ceilings in those old buildings. I want I want top to bottom. I want the exposed wood from the pine upstairs. So what I started figuring out was the hell with this. I don't need your materials. You can. They, I don't care what a two by four costs. I'm ripping it all out. I'm going to bring this sucker back. And then of course there's tax credits from a state and federal standpoint at some different times uh, or some different situations. The feds will kick in on credit. But that's how I started looking at the downtown region going, man, well, that's something you can get into at 60 or 70 a square versus 200 a square. And even if I spread it across, now I'm in this whole thing for 100 a square. Where else are you going to do that? Yeah. Then I said, if you do enough of them, well, hell, you'll start controlling the comps. I don't need a market. I'll tell you what the last three sold for because we bought them. You know what I mean? So, like, you had the if – if there was enough volume there, you could start dictating a little bit of what you could maybe see what the next price may be on the next buy. Or you got lucky and they didn't know yet. Whatever it may be, but Rocks is is in the, I mean the the it's the the spot. 
there's a lot more to it that I could talk about too between how this all started. I mean, at one point I got the, uh, there was a class at Tulane. I got all their students to come down and I got them to draw what I envisioned of downtown Thibodeau. I still have it to this day and it's been used. Uh, but now we have a new mayor in there. Um, very receptive. Like I told you before the show, we just had $250,000 allocated from the state of Louisiana to a project that touches the bar. You know what I mean? Because it is the feature street there and they're going to condemn a street, pave it, have a, a, a place to put, you know, have concerts, things like that, so that people don't have to come in and rent a stage for $2,500. We're going to give it to them right there. Right. So that was important. Now we got to go match the funds to get it, but I'm confident with we got the renderings, we have the state money, that getting that capital is going to be easy. We'll gather that quickly to finish the job and then we can get started. But also, it bought the building in the back of Roxas and tore it down. And I hate tearing stuff down, especially them, but it was built in 1814 and I, I couldn't salvage it. It was that bad. It killed me to it, but it was a complete eyesore. But what's crazy is I bought that because they had two properties between these two bridges. And I knew that that was, there was a, after I had the, the school come in and it was always like, I, I, if a property comes up that actually faces Bayou Lafourche, we got to grab this. So we did. And ultimately, then Roxas came in. They happens to be backyard. So what you're about to see is a patio. The architect is giving his final renderings on Friday. Yeah. I'm sure we'll tweak a little bit. We're about ready to roll. People are going to see construction there within probably 90 days is realistic to where we get cranking. So now it's the half the damn block, the bar. I'm about to do a whole outside patio in conjunction with this money that just got allocated that's going to be next door to that. So we're about to do something really special. That means something. I get goosebumps talking about that. That's incredible. Man. I don't know if I'm going to make any money at all. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I want to do this, and I want to do it for the town, and I'm done because I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel the need to invest anymore down there after, but this is important to me to finish this job. I mean, you've done so much already downtown. Yeah, whatever. And, and it's and you know it's almost to the point where it's like an attracting factor of people to go there. Well, that's my point. That's what yeah. I'm trying to do. If I did my part to help, it's again, I, I don't, it's not about the making any money on it. It's about making a difference. That's all you got when you die. You know, nobody's damn. If you have two dollars or ten million, be like, damn, like, like, he did some stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <He's> crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, he got some shit done. Like, all right, cool, man. Yeah, stuff was done on his watch, and it's it's lasting. It's memorable. It's not just something temporary. That's what that matters was, to me. That has come and gone, you know? That the, And especially with downtown Thibodeau, that is what mattered to me. It was never about a profit there. Um, and I was confident that I would never lose money on it. it could, it, you know, you could make a little, a couple of dollars, but whether it was through tenants and you hold them long, I just felt really good about the direction. I saw some really good buys down there. So, you know. That's where we are with that. And then uh, you would ask about small sliders. So we recently got into that. In the same group as the, the fellas with, that we built the walk-ons at home. Mm -hmm. And we added a couple more. So we've got our group of us. And there are five of us. And we have the territories for Lafouche, Terrebonne, and Lafayette. And I'm definitely one of the silent guys. I am the only one. <laughs> You're there. the silent guy. I'm the one that, guys... Look, the, I love concepts. I love people. You, y'all have this. You need me? Call me. I'll be at the ribbon cutting. Other than that, um, holler if you need it. Because I do believe in the concepts of <clears throat> too many cooks in the kitchen can get outrageous. So if the name of the game in this franchise business is value, you know, and frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if we grab several more. But it's not like one. It's not going to make a difference in your life. Two's not going to make a difference. You got to have value. 
so it is good to put together your capital group and then let the let the chiefs roll. I just want to be a little, y'all tell me when you need me here on this one. I'm occupied with other stuff. Here if you need always. Um, tell me where I need to be, and I'm good with that. But I like my role, and I, I have different roles where I capitally, or I'm a capital investor in multiple society brands, Gator Coolers. I call capital. I mean, different with, I'm actually a franchisee one of them there. But within our little group, I'm a capital investor there. Um, White Oak Duckwoods in Arkansas, you name it. But that's stuff where I get out the way. I will never ask a question. I tremendously have a ton of ton of belief in these people. And I'm investing in people and, of course, the product. But when I invest in a person, it's that. And anyone will tell you that. Like, they're not joking. So Matt said he's investing. He's not, he's not calling you. We'll call, we may talk fish. We may talk hunting. Yeah. I am not asking. You may, you may run, have quarterly annual meetings, whatever it is. You run your show. Yeah. I'm never going to question you. It's not my role. And that's not what I signed up for because... When you're asked to be a capital investor in some of these groups, the expectation is shut your damn mouth. Yeah. And people have a hard time believing that. Well, guess what you don't get invited to? The second party. You start running around, and they're okay with questioning. It's not like they're saying, don't ever question what we're doing. Know your role. I'm not as smart as you. I don't know how to develop a green tree reservoir there. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever it may be in those particular situations, enjoy the ride. And remember why you, your instinct told you to invest in that particular product. They didn't ask you for your brain. They asked you for a little bit of money, capital, to, to put in. So, you know, and a lot of things of that nature. And uh, the other one we talked about earlier was Cash River Farms, which is like my baby. That is my favorite thing I've ever done in my life. And so, it's my so what is Cash River Farms? So Cash River Farms, we have multiple farms in Arkansas. And one of my very best friends there, we he came down to play baseball at Nichols. He had played at uh, University of Arkansas. He comes down. And he and I, one thing that most people, the only thing they really care about to talk to me is white-tailed deer hunting. I am a lunatic when it comes to it. Sickness. Like, it's controlled my life, and, and it's bad. <laughs> so, and I say that very, like, I'm not facetious when I say that. It's an addiction. If you go to the camp, I have killed myself. When, I, when I'm after a certain animal, it's game over. It's me and you, and we're going to see whose mental toughness is, who's going to break who first. And look, a lot of times you get broken, yeah. but a lot of times that we ran a lot of, we hunt a lot of public land up there. So in the Cash and White River, um, you know, I've been up there probably 17, 18 years now. I think it was since I was 24. So it's 18 years. I've been going there. I spent every Thanksgiving and um, anywhere from 10 to 14 days. But I'm, this was before. I mean, now I'm in Arkansas. It's like a second home. I'm there at least during the duck season. We, we, I'm, I will literally drive eight hours to hunt and come home. I've done it. Uh, this is it, it's not a surprise to anyone. Yeah. So we figured out Dustin and I years ago, like, man, we, we'd love to own a farm here. Well, then third partner comes in. I say third. There was three of us who started cash flow farms, right? Joe comes into my life. The other partner, Joe's, I mean, we, we all, <laughs> he's a character. I love him. But we bought the first farm there. And that was a group. It's called CKLSC. Dustin sort of Instagram account. He he does all our Instagram. He does all that stuff. Kids cash flow forms. But we, you know, we CKLLC essentially doing businesses cash flow forms. So that started. We bought a form or bought a track, and then we flip a track. We do that. Like, damn, there's something to this. And so what I call this is recreational investing. This is what I truly love to do. I love to hunt. I love to, to speckle trout fish. And um, I was trying to figure out ways, and we were. How do we? How do we make a few dollars doing what we love to do, so we can really justify this insanity? 
And when I call it recreational investing, that to me is investing in something that you truly love. It's not a, it's not a building. It's not real estate. It is real estate, but it's not, that's not why you're doing it. Right. But what cash reforms brings, when you get into the ag world, so not only the, think about the diversity in this. So you buy a piece of ground up there. There's sharecropping. There's WRP. There's CRP. There's lease income. There's crop insurance. There's timbering. The list goes on and on and on. There's ancillary sources of income sprinkled across the board. So this turned into now eight farms up and down the Cache River. We have uh, one that sits right, it's 40 acre block that sits right in between everything pretty much. So we're kind of maybe last farms 12, 15 miles south. One's, you know, we're right in the middle of everything where the furthest drive's about 15 miles, either way, north or south. And they're up and down the river. And we have a trading portfolio. I say that. We have a holding portfolio and a trading portfolio. Look at that as, as a stock market, but it, you're playing with land now. But there are some pieces that you will never take from us. We'll go to the grave with them. I don't care what you offer. We say we ain't selling them. We all know them. Like I, I, we can go through the forms of my head. Go Tupelo, never selling. Manful, never selling. Little Dixie, never gonna sell it. <laughs> so like, don't ask. We're not gonna yeah. do it. But we take a tremendous uh, amount of pride in that. Dustin's grown an Instagram account there. It's almost thirty-one thousand followers. I mean, if you'd see it, it's very interesting. And it's cool. It, it's very informative. But he takes you through the journey. And um, a lot of our members there in our club are from Louisiana just because our hunting has suffered down south. So they kind of migrate up and they love it. I mean, they, they look forward to it. And those guys might better come two or three times a year. But we're having a blast. And then we said, you know what? we got to cater to the experience. So we have two lodges that are side by side, about 30 yards apart on one track. It sits in between everything. And we're constantly looking. We just uh, we flipped one the other day and – you know, hopefully the next buy comes along, but you know how that goes. The word gets out, and it's harder and harder to find the right ones that make sense. But the beauty of that is, we brought in a you know, it, now it's four of us. The fourth one that comes in, same thing. Great dude, brings a ton to the table. Fun as can be. I mean, it just it's a it, it's basically a four hundred one k with a bunch of land, and it's that's what we love to do. And everybody takes pride in it. And the forms, I mean, it took it takes a minute. Now here you are on this this. Sixth, seventh year that we're getting into it. Now we're dialing in all the forms. We're making them right. Because you flip a form, you have capital, and you know that. You've got to expense it. So what do you do? You put it back into it. Yeah. Well, we built a 60-foot, oh, excuse me, 40-something-foot duck blind. With, one's got a kitchen on it on the river. And this one that we're going to sink in this year, we're, we're building a uh, off the back of one of the forms of hell with going through the public launch. We got a swamp excavator out there digging. So we can put boats in the back of the form. And, and just cruise right on in in the morning to where we're making it to for our guests to the trying to cater to that experience and make it give them something we want them to to get every every nickel they're paying for and yeah. that's our job to do it right well, so, and that's what they expect too right especially yeah. whenever they're going to some place that is that's advertised expect. as such yeah and look it's cool because we don't we don't we don't you can't go there and get a guided hunt that's not what we're about we have our strategic members, um, and that's another. It's like a little family now. We we have a retention rate that's high. If you get out, you're not coming back in, and there's a list of people that we could go through that want to be members there. It's insane, but we keep the pressure off. Meaning, a lot most of our guys are from Louisiana. We don't we don't need people from ten miles away coming in to hunt sixty days. We're not gonna allow that. Yeah, um, we don't want our forms blown up. We want keep pressure to a minimum, and that's been a philosophy with us for deer hunting. And then, uh, of course, with deer hunting, we flip forms too. My thing was people didn't want to put in the back end work, so I would buy a farm, look at it for the right acreage, 
and look at across the board and say, if you sprint at, spend X amount of money, that would bring this by to say $2,200 an acre. And if I knew that I could get it where I needed it, people want turnkey. They don't want to put in the work. So I'll develop their exit and entry. I'll put in their stands. I'll do everything I have to do, especially if you have power and you have water. That's a whole nother game changer. But you have to look at all those things. I mean, little things like gravel versus pavement. I like being off a back road, but I learned on one sale that I had a lot that were, and it ultimately sold and it was profitable, but the gravel road deterred the wives. They didn't want to drive there. And I never thought about that. I yeah. love gravel roads. To me, it's a sense of freedom. I love hitting back roads and the world's fine again. Well, that ain't not, not, not Mr. Joe's wife. You know, she's like the hell of the dirt road. What do you mean a dirt road? My, my escalation yeah. on a dirt road. Not, not, not buying a, a farm and driving down the gravel road. Right. <laughs> Never thought about that. So there's just ways, man, to trick it out and do things the way that I think that they should be done. And that's just one way. And it's full speed. And it's the right way. So that's my journey, man. I, I don't know what else I'm missing. Uh, probably some things in between, but that's about the crux of it. And to be quite honest with you, I don't, I don't know where it's taking me. I don't even know where I am right now. Half the time I move very fast right now, basically out of a truck and I'm not exaggerating. If you see it right now, it's clean. Yeah, there's a, there's a rack in the back. There's clothes everywhere, and I sleep in a different place just about every other night. Really? Mm -hmm. But I got to do what I got to do to get these things going. Yeah, uh, and that's just how it's got to be. So, and I'm okay with that. Life's taking me in a position where that's where I am right now, and I guess it's been a blessing. Um, I don't mean that being a blessing. I mean blessing is that it's occupying my time. You know, going through a tough stage and then getting out of it. So at least being on the road and working hard is kind of. Get your mind right, but sometimes people got to go to the bottom to get to the top. And I'm not saying I ever got to the top, but I got to the bottom. Yeah. And it, um, it's humbling. It's good. It's hard. It's hard to see it at the time, but it it needs to happen to certain people, and it needs to slow people down. I just hope that somebody, of the people that get in that situation, I told a guy the other day, I said, "Man, you remind me a lot of me," and I don't mean that in a good way. And I'm dead serious. I'm like, you were moving way too fast. I got a lot of regrets right now in life, and I probably always will. And I, look, I'm not one of those who says, "Poor me." You will never hear that come out. I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful for everything I've been given, but I also wish I'd enjoyed some, whatever little journey I'm on. <clears throat> Sometimes I don't, man. I'm, I get very uptight, and I want to be enjoyable. But I'm worried about the next thing. So, you know, there's just times I wish I was looser, and I'm getting better about it. Absolutely, especially in the last six months. But it took me to get to a point where I don't want people going. Yeah. I don't ever want to see my friends there. I don't want to go there. I needed it. But not everybody does. And not everybody claws their way out of it. That's the other problem. Yeah. That not, not everybody's me. nearly as strong to go hit rock bottom and then climb their way back up to the point where you're at right now and continue to grow, right? Yeah. I just promised myself this round, uh, this next phase, because I felt the energy coming back. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, here we go again. And I know it when it comes on, like, I feel like I'm ready to go. I want to run through a brick wall. I can't sleep. I'm, I'm salivating at the next day going, some, tomorrow's going to be something special. But now I'm reminding myself, slow down and stop going so high and don't ever go so low again. I'm, and I'm, this is an act of work in, in progress. Right. <laughs> Clearly, I, I have to remind myself, but... I have. I mean, I pray a lot more these days. I'm Every morning I wake, wake up and at least acknowledge to be grateful to wake up. I ain't getting out of my bed until that happens. And saying thank you and moving on. But I'm, I'm trying to just, uh, you know, learn lessons from a hard way, but I'm learning. So still learning a lot, and hopefully you keep going because I still am young. But I don't want to watch people go through what I went through 
and the, you know they don't see the side the five o'clock till midnight or the Sunday nights when that comes on. Like, oh crap, we got the whole week. You have no idea. Like that's what I tell people. You have no idea what goes on ahead. And again, it's all self-inflicted, all of it. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, careful what you wish for. Careful what you wish for, my friend. I don't know what the hell you think my version of me is, but I know what it is. Yeah. And it's a it's a mental grind every day to 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 keep going. But I gotta when when I start feeling my juices, like I, I get I feel it and it comes on. I'm like, oh boy, what am I about to get into next? And I get very <laughs> impulsive, extremely impulsive. And it could be a bite. It could be somewhere I got I smell blood. And when I smell blood, I bite. And that's and I mean that in the in the business world. I'm not trying. to. Smell blood like hurt a human. <laughs> but when I smell Business it, speaking. it don't take long. Yeah. And it's and all of a sudden it shifts and I'm on to the next one. And I wonder, I'm like, man, am I ever going to be able to turn this off? I'm Here I am actively focused on it right now. And I don't know if, if I can. I can get better at it, but I don't know that I can turn it off. I don't know if I'll ever be satisfied. And I'm worried I'm going to go through life and say, I've never been satisfied. Why? I don't know. That's how God built me. That's the only answer I got. I don't know. It ain't like I sit there going, look at me ever. I look at myself like I'm just below the ground and I got to get better. And that sucks because if you can't, if I can't please myself, how can someone else please me? You know, and I've messed that up before, but I was so busy trying to get to the next level. And I even know, I still don't know what the next level is, but the next thing that I wasn't enjoying the present. So, working on it, but uh, that's my story, man. I don't think it's anything special. It's just wild. I mean, it really is. If you'd come operate with me in a day, you'd think I'm a lunatic. <laughs> like, I, how do you remember that? I said, I don't. You can ask what I ate for breakfast. I said, man, I, I don't know. I can watch a movie for two hours, and I'm like, that's a good movie. What's it about? Navy SEALs. That's as deep as I'm going. Yeah. My mind's everywhere, and it don't stop. It just keeps going and going and going like, that's one thing I love about hunting. Hunting and fishing, I'm in the moment. That's the stuff I, ne- I do not forget that stuff. The, the best hunts is, I mean, if I've got 80 deer between skulls and mounts on a wall, I can tell you literally where every single one, how I hunted them, where they came from, probably what the conditions were. I get that locked in. But when the business world comes around, it's it's so many moving parts, and I just put out fires, boom, 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 and move to the next one. And I'm not saying fires get big, but you know how it is. You just got to quiet things down and you move on to the next one. Yeah, you you kind of start your day with a with a little sprinkler, and then you end with a fire hose. Yeah, and then you have to, like, when people go on vacation, you have to play that much time you were away to catch up, and then you're still catching up what you missed from that week of. Yeah, and it, it, it's a never ending fire hose of work questions, fires to be put out. It's, it's just it's consistently, and especially with you having so many irons and so many different things. There's fires coming from all over the place. Yeah, you know, and one thing I wish, it, it just sometimes I feel completely where I'm misunderstood to where people, I tell you all the time, we're so unimportant. But, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to go to a store and not have be asked to fix a speeding ticket or about a custody case or something, man. Like it's all every single day, whether it's through a donation or it's, in, and I'm grateful. I believe in the principle of giving to get. I believe that if you're grateful enough, I mean, blessed enough to make a little bit of money, you have to be able to give back. These go back to long principles, but at some point in time, it wears your ass out. Yeah. It's every day. 
Every single day, someone is coming at you to where you go in a store, your hat's low, and you're praying, like, please, 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 because I don't want to be rude. But at some point, at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, I'll literally look at someone and be like, man, are you kidding me? Why would you Why would you put me in this position right now at 8 o'clock at night? And, I, and look, don't think I don't go home and beat myself up about that. I've never been one to be able to hide my emotions. I don't, it's not that I'm mad. I, I get it, but get me. You know what I mean? I just sometimes want to be to where I'm, I'm in a state of solitude. Um, well, it, it, it goes it goes to what I can relate to people getting angry in traffic. Yeah. If somebody cuts you off, you're immediately angry that they cut you off. However, you don't take the time to think <clears throat> about what made them cut you off. And it could be something totally trivial yeah. as them just trying to be a couple minutes early to their next destination. But it could also be somebody trying to save a life, right? And so we oftentimes get angry from our perspective that we don't take the time to sit there and be like, hang on, maybe Matt's looking down because he's got a lot going on in his life and maybe now is not the time and there may, may not may ever be a correct time to ask X, Y, and Z question, whatever it is. People don't take that time to put their self in someone else's shoes prior to opening up saying, hey, outside of saying, hey, how you doing? Just a, hey, Matt, you know, my son's little league team is coming up. In summertime, we're trying to find a sponsor. You know, it's we don't often take the time to say, wait a minute, I've got stuff going on. Maybe they do too. And maybe it's greater than my stuff because I know that they're involved in a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, but it's always, nope, my need is this, and I'm going to ask them for my need. You know, I, I'm not joking. I think my biggest daily struggle right now is, is when you, the, my good buddy, um, back home I share a lot with somebody he I could tell him anything and he hasn't he never takes on the wrong way but I told him one time I said watch this and this went on this was probably six months ago I'm not exaggerating it was something of the nature of probably eight out of ten or nine out of 12 11 nights by that through the day it was just showing him whether it's email message on desk something brought us said every day and it's just people that you, you're in a, you're grateful that people think that you're in such a fight. But they're like, dude, we got to work our butts off to be able to give you money for whatever it is. When you start becoming ungrateful, like and expected that I'm supposed to kill myself, that's where I, that's going to frustrate me. And look, I'm always going, but now it's very selective on what we got to do. Yeah. Because, I don't, and I don't mind saying that's where people hear it. I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like just enough's enough. Please be kind when you ask and don't expect anything in return. You don't know what you what people go through 14 hours a day to get to a point where we can give you $100 for a team. Grateful to do it. There's a right and a wrong way. And now it's a point where you almost feel, I, I can read the text messages and say, oh, you're telling me, hey, this will be two minutes. So if I respond, I know what the next question is, guaranteed. That now I feel like so many people are disingenuine. And then you become very guarded and you get mm -hmm. this little small circle where you're going, God dang it, I know what he's about to do. And sure enough, hey man, how's everything been? Did you really mean that? Mm -hmm. And I know you didn't because I know what you're going to follow up with. And you did. You did it time and time, or they did it time and time again. It's like, I, I'm so conscious of that with people. Have you ever just asked me how my day was? Where you didn't need something in return? You know, and, and that's what you deal with in smaller places, I guess. And again, very grateful to be able to do it. But it's just, it's tiring, man. Like, people need to be able to breathe. And 
you're going to get reactions you don't like sometimes because of it's people going to have enough. It ain't just me. There's a lot of people in those towns that go through it. Yeah, and by me, it's I mean people us. Everywhere. Yeah, and it's not me. It's it's AMO. It's our, you know, because we we we've given a lot more than we should to be quite frank. Damn, I'm, and I'm proud of that. I'm glad I can die one day and say it, but nobody knows that. It, I mean, it's the the lens in which they view it, right? Yeah. So it's it's tailored to what they see. They don't see that you've already done ten teams that year. You know, it's like Tip of the iceberg, dude. It's 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 what they're able to view in their specific frame of mind, and that's kind of how they're making their decisions, right? They're yeah. not saying, "Wait a second, maybe back up a little bit." They've got four locations that are in proximity to what 100 teams each or is like i mean we're we're, pick, we're picking on little league teams here but right. it's it, it could be anything and everything right well i wish they knew too that sometimes it does it is hard on me saying no a lot to that because it is a lot of good people that you do want to we can't we can't do it for everybody can't help everybody so it puts me in a position where i don't i wish i just didn't have to feel bad at night going damn i really had to say no or i'll try and get back to you when i know i'm not getting back to you yeah but if i don't do that you know, some I have no problem with. I can tell by the presentation where I'm actually glad to say no chance, zero. There's others you really do want to, and you're like, damn it, we just did so-and-so or this, and it's probably not you know, in, within our budget to do this. And it really beats you up at night. And people don't realize that part of the spot they're putting you in. And they don't mean to. It's not their fault. But it does weigh on me a lot. But it's the older you get, the more you have to say no because you literally won't. I won't be able to eat. <laughs> like, glad you have a baseball bag, but I can't eat. Uh, I'm eating Doritos tonight. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's just a little misunderstanding there, but I, I don't always handle it like I should. But that's who I am. It's I, My intentions are always good, and I'm always going to do the right thing at the end of the day. You may not like it. Uh, I have to apologize so much in my life. It's not even funny. Um, but I'm willing to do it. Well, And again, it's also... We're a reactionary species. We're yeah. going to react to what's come before us. And so if, again, it may not be you directly, but at the point where you ask, you could be the 10th person that day that's asked the same exact question the same exact way. And it gets you as a human to the point that you just have a slight snap and you respond in a way that may not be as was the first response of the day, right? Yeah. But we can only take so much as people. <laughs> so with that, um, it's about time to start wrapping up the show. So you kind of preface at the beginning of the show, you you had some answers ready to, and rocked to go. So we ask four questions of every guest, the first one being, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Play Little League Baseball. Yeah? Absolutely. Nothing I look forward to more in my life. I lived across the street from a park, and I would be able to watch, like, we'd see rainy days. And all you had to do is get to that 5 o'clock game couldn't wait and I could see the park from my window and I'd just sit there looking to see if they were raking the field and I'd go like I could still smell the dirt I could smell the grass I could smell the ball there's nothing in my life there's nothing more pure where there was never a worry on my mind than Dixie baseball period the end love it yeah so what are three lessons you've learned along the way in your so extremely diverse career thus far um like I told you earlier pigs live and hogs get slaughtered always give pay people what they're worth pay them more than they're worth actually um see the forest through the trees have the ability to not get caught up in the minutia and if you you have an attack that picture stop worrying about the little bitty details of getting away that shit happens like you know what i mean just go this my my, my path is never this straight little bit it does like this and off to the right left whatever get to, don't lose focus of what the end goal is. If 
find a way. And then I think the uh, third lesson is to enjoy the present. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. those that you do really true love, people that you truly love, they not all, you know, great people don't always come in out of your life. So the ones that do appreciate them, tell them you love them, um, spend more time with them and enjoy their presence. The little bitty things, like it doesn't take much to let someone know or show that you care about them. It takes so little. Yeah. It's like don't get caught up in what I do to where it's nothing intentional. You just get blinded to where you're going, damn, you're so focused on this. I'm losing focus of this person who loves me or, you know, whether it's family, whether it's a wife, whatever it may be. I just hope that people know how easy it is to just tell someone you love them and show them that you care. Like that's, it's not, it's not a big ask of someone at all. And if you can't do that, you deserve to be, you know, alone. So it's easy. Do it. So what is something you love about Louisiana? The litter everywhere. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it's, it's great people. It, the, when you travel a, a, a pretty good bit, you can see how friendly. There are some really friendly people in South Louisiana. And I think that's a trait that people take for granted because you, you do get lost in the crime. You do get lost in the litter. I know I do. But at the end of the day, some really cool people down yeah. here. And they're doing great things as well. Oh, yeah. It's look. It's a neat place. Like it's it's different. <laughs> good bad. <laughs> for the better, for the worse, it's different. Yeah, we know that. Now, it's like we're, you, we're you, our own little bubble. You, you know, go to Europe. For, <laughs> go to Europe for ten days and get off in New Orleans. I could be blindfolded. I'm like, I'm in New Orleans. I, I smell it. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> you smell it and you feel it too. Like yeah. let's, let's be let's be honest. The humidity, all of it, just hits you. Like oh, I'm back. Damn it. But I, I took. I, I I was in um. Virginia for a wedding a couple years ago, and I had to take a flight to Chicago to down to New Orleans just to make it back for my sister's graduation. And in Chicago, it was 30 degrees, and I was freezing my butt off. <laughs> I land in New Orleans, and I'm like, I'm immediately sweating. <laughs> like, how is this possible? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. But it's a unique place for sure. Mm-hmm. So for the final question, man, what can I do to help you? I think you've done it, you know, continue to do a good job on your show and, and people watch and God will take me where he needs me to go. But this has been, I'm gracious enough for a chance to be here and you've done plenty. Well, I'm happy for you to come, man. I was, I really appreciate you making the time. Yeah. I had a good time. So, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Matt. Appreciate you. And I appreciate everybody else, whether you are listening or watching the show. Thank you so very much. Uh, Matt is doing so much within his different businesses. We're going to link all of them in the show notes. So if you're interested in any of them, just click on it, check them out. And let them know that Patty G sent you. And also let all of our gracious partners of the show know that I sent you their way. And if you need to know a little bit more about them, they're coming up right now. Welcome to the brand new Falaya mobile app. We took all the same tech that's helped hundreds of people sell their homes themselves and packed it into an easy to use app for your phone. When you download the Falaya mobile app on either the Apple or Android app store, you'll immediately be able to see the power of this game-changing tool. From the seller's dashboard, you can navigate to all the information that you need. We intentionally separated everything into key groups, such as tasks to be completed, buyer leads for your listing, and contact information for everyone involved through closing. When you get an offer on your property, you can simply review and respond all within the app. 
No matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to monitor everything that's going on with your property from listed to sold. It's truly the power of Falaya in the palm of your hand. Download the app and see for yourself. Falaya, it's real estate reimagined. Thank you so very much to Building 5 for the, becoming the latest sponsor of the Patty G Show. We are going to be filming once a month at Building 5. We're going to post about it on our socials so you can come and visit with us. Building 5 is an excellent food establishment if you're into sharing boards and really getting a creative menu. Misty and Brumby have done an excellent job of creating an environment that's warm, welcoming, and inviting for every single occasion. Go on over to Building 5 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and tell them that the Patty G Show sent you. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left, but the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade, building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service Every step of the way, they're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out. Our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center and tell them Patty G sent you. McClavey's Limited, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show, has been serving the Baton Rouge area proudly for 40-plus years. Gentlemen and ladies, if you're shopping for your man, there is no other place in the Baton Rouge area to get your clothing, whether it's game day needs, everyday needs, business attire, formal attire, whatever you want. Go over there, see Frank and Ashley. It's a father-daughter duo. They do incredible things in their store. They will outfit you from as simply 
a shirt that you need for one evening, or all the way to a full wardrobe overhaul. They're going to take care of you every step of the way, and be sure and let them know that Patty G Show sent you. The Patty G Show is proudly brought to you by Mimosa Handcrafted Jewelry. Mimosa Handcrafted Jewelry is a local business right here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They create handcrafted jewelry for everyday use, that special occasion, whatever it may be. Gentlemen, they've got amazing jewelry both for male and female. Everyone is our audience. You know, after years of experimenting with everything from ceramic jewelry, glass beads, and enamel, they've settled in on the ancient art of lost wax casting is their main form of creating their work. They cast everything in bronze, sterling silver, and 14 karat gold. Every step of the way is done here right in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Proud, proud sponsors of the Patty G Show. Mimosa Handcrafted Jewelers. Get out there and tell them that Patty G sent you, and they're going to take great care of you on your next order.